Welcome to the Big Blue United podcast. Uh, I'm Colin. I'm with my buddies TJ and Dan. Uh, how you guys doing tonight? Oh, just excellent, Colin. Living the dream, man. Yeah, another fine week, right? Yeah, I only yeah. had to work like once last week. It was great. Oh, I was talking about football, but... Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, football-wise, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. Well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm resigned at this point. I don't even feel terrible anymore. It's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's another week. Uh, we get to watch a team. We have a team to follow. That's fine, right? That's right. There's That's technically right. a team for us to follow, yes. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, subscribe to BBU on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the usual. Follow, subscribe, uh, the pod on uh, your go-to streaming service, and... Um, Keep following us because the team will get better and we will get better. I promise. Do but, you? That's, that's. I mean, the coaching's there. I think so. I'm willing to bet on us. Well, yeah, the coaching is there, and you know what? I, just to start off with this, I think personally that this Logan Ryan re-signing, I don't think that was Gettleman. I'm going to go out there and say that. I don't think he had anything to do with it, which gives well, me hope. He probably sat at the table when they signed it. At least. Well, <laughs> yeah, because he had to beg to do it. That's what I'm I'm hoping, anyway. I mean, I hope Joe Judge just has his hand in a lot of these choices, so. It's, uh, I'm, I'm hoping so, too. But, yeah, anyway, um, we got these, uh, these FOCO uh, masks a couple weeks ago, which was uh, pretty sweet. Uh, free merchandise through the mail. You can have uh, your favorite team on it. Thankfully, it was the Giants in this case. And I uh, just wanted to let uh, all you listeners out there know that, uh, Foco.com, they've got a ton of really good stuff. Um, uh, in particular, I was actually following on Instagram. Um, Dom Tomlinson is uh, part of the Foco family. He's, uh, he's been mentioning Foco uh, for a couple of IG posts recently. He's uh, wearing one of their hoodies in one of his posts recently. And uh, it is gigantic. Um, if you look at his yeah if you look at his page it has the NY on it and it is the size of like four of me and uh, it looks comfortable looks great it would be something that I would wear Uh, check it out if you can yeah Um, I've been wearing my FOCO my FOCO mask uh, out and about when I'm going to the the bodega and such but now now that I'm digging deeper into their website these hooded uh, gators with face mask and and the liner on the inside is very fresh, and you look sort of like a, an urban ninja. You walk the streets with one of these, so, so definitely check it out. This yeah, I love awesome. those too, man. Yeah, no, no, I like the I like the urban ninja. That's funny because Joe Judge has that long mask, and like being a bearded yeah, guy, yeah. I always appreciate that long mask. So being an urban ninja is, is a super fun way to put it. I love that. <laughs> and they have like these insulated ponchos too. Yeah, no, there's a ton of good go. stuff on there. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I like it. I like it. Isn't it strange that like people, we're at this point now with with how things are this day and age, uh, where it's like fashion accessories that people, oh, I have to make sure that my mask matches my outfit. Like people are actually thinking about this. Mm. I just try to make sure mine doesn't stink. Which is always. I just try to make sure it's comfortable since I have to wear it usually for 10 hours a day. Oh. What kind of mask do you go for? I, I have a thin one. I have that Joe Judge one. It's like super thin. I wear it at work. It's fine. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I just try and be comfortable. But when I'm out walking around, I, I do attempt to be slightly fashionable, which is in <laughs> New York City, you just wear black. So yeah. all black. Oh. So, so you haven't changed your wardrobe ever then? 
Not since, since we were an emo band in high school. <laughs> Good. Well, at least it's been consistent. Um, but yeah, uh, the Gettleman Twitter, uh, Burner Twitter account has been a little quiet this week, but I think we might have some unfortunate news anyway. Dan, were you, uh, you, you hear about yeah. anything? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that's been quiet. I'd say that we sort of have to stay away. After the interview that, that shook uh, the sports world last week with, with Torm, Dave's personal chef, uh, we, we received a, a letter from Dave's people, his, uh, his, his private counsel, uh, basically sending us cease and desist and saying, you know, that, that's private Dave information. He's very upset about people knowing that he only eats white food. And, and he's very angry with Torm because he thought he was a vegetarian, and apparently he's not. So the uh, shockwaves from that, from that groundbreaking interview um, We'll do it, you know, we do it again in a heartbeat, but we got to sort of stay away from Dave. Um, and hopefully if things go, uh, you know, as bad as they are, we won't have to talk about them next year. So, you know, we'll see. We'll keep you posted. That's the, that's in the news, man. I think Dave's worried. He doesn't want us to expose him anymore because uh, they're saying in the news he's probably not coming back, making the playoffs or not. He, he's acting scared, you know. He's, he's acting scared. More importantly, are we afraid of Torm's position as personal chef at this point do you think he was uh are we worried about torm yeah torm um i think <laughs> to- I th- wait torm <laughs> okay sorry i got confused for a second yeah no i i think i think torm is the kind of guy that like you know we could go through world war three and nuclear holocaust and torm would just like show up like three days later and be like well did i miss something guys he's like <laughs> just just like he took, took a, a nap for too long uh, Torm will be there, and he'll find a way to survive. I, I got faith in him, and, and, and thanks again to, to Torm uh, for just for just delivering in a big time way. We might have to have him on at some point again. You know, it's gonna well, we'll, to see. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, you, you, he's not the kind of guy that you can ask to do something. He just sort of presents himself. So one day he'll just lucky. be recording the pod. He'll just be behind you, be like, "What's up, man?" <laughs> he'll just call in to our non-existent phone line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, wait, wait, wait a second. I think we are forced with Torm on the line somehow. We got Torm. First time, long time? <laughs> Emergency power. No, no, no. We don't have Torm. Torm has us. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I guess we can uh, talk about um, this, uh, this somewhat considered football game that happened yesterday. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea because uh, I must confess, I was unable to watch it live. All I've seen uh, is the reactions and the highlight package that's been on YouTube. So I would ask you, Colin and TJ, if, if you can, um, as we give this rundown, you know, be a little illustrative, paint a picture of me for me, so I can imagine, you know, the the spectacle that you guys enjoyed uh, yesterday. Oh, you paint a picture? I can paint Please. <laughs> It's like uh, someone took a dump on a Picasso. Basically. Ah, wow! You, you, I was already thinking of the actual artist to use, and I'm I'm going to call you TJ, the pigskin Picasso. Go right ahead and pick. <laughs> oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> I mean, th- this game was just bad in, in every facet, and I, and I think we I've always touted this defense as being good, but I think Graham really dropped the ball on the defensive side with his game plan. So the Ravens are leading the league in rushing attempts per game. And Graham is usually generally good at changing up the personnel when necessary. So you run, go against a team who's running the ball a lot. So you come out in a nickel as your base defense, and you have three linebackers and three down linemen. So you have six people in the box. 
and you're running a soft zone, I guess presumably because you can't really run man and, and get guys out of the zone if they're gonna if Lamar's gonna be running around without a dedicated spy. So what do the Giants do? They stick to this game plan and let the Ravens rip off 250 yards. The fact that they wouldn't, you know, move to a like a true three four, I, I don't know. They need they needed help on the outside. I know the OLB position is really weak on this team, especially with Carter out for the year and Zemenis not really stepping up in the way that we wanted it to. Um, but at at what point do you just put eight guys in the box the entire time and then kind of let Lamar throw? I mean, he didn't have a lot of yards, but he was pretty efficient. I mean, he definitely was taking a long time to, to get the ball out and whether or not that was because of a complete lack of pass rush or because the secondary was, was covering well. I, I think it was a little loath. Um, but but besides that point, I mean, the pass rush, when the Giants couldn't get, could get to Lamar, he just was juking and driving around everybody. And I think that comes to, down to something that I think Dan is, and Dan and, and that we've stressed a lot throughout um, the year is that there's really nobody – athletic enough on the defense to sort of keep up with him and and the Giants just don't really have the personnel to compete with up, upper echelon teams on a consistent basis um Colin, do you want to do you want to talk about uh what you feel about the defense before I, I do my spiel about the offense or yeah yeah actually that 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 does make sense um I thought just even on like a um a tertiary level uh even not schematically it's it was another one of those situations where the defense isn't going to stand a chance if they can't get off the field. And this was just a perfect game that just encapsulated the clear talent deficiency between the Giants and most of the NFL. Uh, and then you set yourself back a little bit. Graham had a couple of really great weeks, and then, yeah, he, he goes with this, this... I didn't even realize that was the formation until I read about it afterwards. And just thinking about the kind of quarterback that we were playing against, why would you stick with that? And they made a point. The announcers with Brock Heward and Kevin Kugler or whatever, who are absolute bozos. I I, I know we talk whoa, about how whoa. Brock Heward was an excellent Seattle Seahawks backup quarterback for two seasons in the early two thousand tens, dude. Come on. Oh, two thousand tens. I think it might have been even before that. And he still uh, has, it could have been. You're right. He's, he still has that 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 duck bill uh, haircut that um. You know, you can make it real short and then have it really, really long in the oh, front and yeah, gel yeah, it yeah. up. Yeah, he was rocking that. And he had, like, he was wearing a vest underneath his, his sport coat. And he I, I, he was he was pretty dopey. Anyway, they were the talking about— The perfect person to be calling a Giants game. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I know. Well, that's another thing. Have you the noticed— The squad Yeah, exactly. Every single announcing duo is usually someone who either— is not good at their jobs most of the most of the time, or it's Joe Buck and and uh, and Troy Aikman who, yeah. Oh, don't don't do Romo that dirty man. I love Romo. Well, yeah. he never does giant games unless the Cowboys are playing, and they, and that's CBS, so he they never play on CBS. But good anyway, point, good point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It it just seems like it, it. It there was no chance for them to actually do anything with staying on the field as much as they were because they were exhausted the whole time, and then Graham decided to get cute. So, Ray Ravens had 11 more minutes of possession than the Giants this game, apparently. Which wasn't that bad, if you think about it. It, it is bad. 432 yards to Giants, 269 yards. It's, and it's a consistent they, problem. I mean, the stat line, they just looked like they got beat up. And, and I, I think the stats prove out, and from what I saw, players like Isaac Yidam aren't going to, make open field tackles against Lamar Jackson. 
Um, you, you know what's glaring on that too is that when you look at that disparity in the, in the total yards, the Giants had 24 first downs. The Ravens had 25 first downs. The Ravens were ripping off huge gains over and over and over again. It was disgusting. Gus Edwards looked like, you know, Saquon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of did. But, um, yeah, TJ, let me know what you think about the offense. Again, I mean, again, um, Garrett had an abysmal game with play calling. Um, I get that the Giants were behind from the get-go, but to only run the raw 11 times is absolutely insane. And then Gallman gets the ball six times, and he's still averaging over four yards a carry, but you don't run the ball. And that goes back to that time of possession stat. The Giants have not held the time of possession stat since they played the Bengals in Week 12. So if you just look at that, it, it doesn't make any sense why you're just limiting yourself to, to, to offense. I mean, I thought Jones played well. I don't think it was 100% his fault. I think he had, had his problems. He had a couple good drives, and, and despite being sacked six times, I, I think there were times when he did have a good presence in the pocket, and he avoided some rushes and was trying to get the ball out if he could. And he didn't, he didn't turn the ball over, which is always an important thing for, for him specifically. I mean, over 200 yards, and, and I'm really happy that he at least made his TD to INT ratio 50-50, and the Giants actually had a, had a touchdown pass. What, what, what really, if I want to just give like an example of really where the play calling got me, it's like um, Garrett just like has no concept of controlling the ball, right? So in the second drive of the third quarter, Jones throws a screen across the field to Shepard. They lose five yards. He takes a sack, and then instead of taking a shot to get the first down, they throw a screen to Engram and get eight yards. And then Gano gets set up for a 42-yard field goal instead of a 50-yard field goal. We know Gano can hit a 50-yard field goal. So what is the purpose of not trying to get the first down there when you're down by that much? It makes absolutely no sense. It, it, I don't understand where this is coming from. And then and then you have the skill position players. Other than Shepard, who had a great game, he was fighting hard. They're really not helping you. I mean, Engram can get it, pull off a third down conversion here and there. It's just, I don't know, Slayton to me, we've all touted him so much. And, and it just seems like he's a complete non-factor. He had a big drop. He couldn't, he can't catch a contested ball to save his life. I realized the third pass downfield they threw to him was jo totally Jones fault. But I mean, still it's like Slayton's like a one trick pony and he can't even seem to get, get the one trick right. And, and it all comes down to what we've been talking about here is the line. They don't block Thomas regressed again. Pert, Pert, <laughs> what was it? They converted a fourth down and then Pert gives up two sacks and a QB hit in a row. And, and you just can't – he should be on the bench. You can't win a game with liabilities like that on the front. On the front. It's impossible. Was that the three sacks in a row? Yeah, well, it was two sacks, and, and, a, and he Jones uh, threw the ball out before he got hit. But it was basically uh, three sacks okay. in a row, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Th that stretch when, when he was sacked three times in a row was just like, oh, my God. It, it, six, it just Six sacks again. It's always, it's always a high number. It's crazy. I, I, I do have to say, though, and, and this is regardless of – uh, you know, how healthy Barkley comes back or if we end up, you know, keeping him or trading him or whatever we end up doing with him in the future. If there's any possible way to hold on to Gallman, I mean, we joke about how, you know, we have nicknames for him and we think he's great, but I, I actually do think he's by far the best backup running back we've had in years. And that's someone that you can depend on. And you know what? He showed a little bit out of the backfield too. That one catch that he had to turn around oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and reposition his body to catch, which was, a I don't know, about a 17-yard catch or something like that. I didn't even think it was him. 
It's surprising. He plays hard too. He's yeah. always trying to get extra yards. He plays hard, and I like, I like, you know, I know, I love Saquon. Don't get me wrong, but I just love guys who just run downfield and just want to hit and want to get hit. You know, you don't always have to dance around. He's a decisive runner, and he was great in college. I, no one remembers that, but he was really good at Clemson. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at at some you know season long totals here, and and the Giants scored two touchdowns in the past three games, which is not good, and. Uh, Daniel Jones hasn't thrown for more than 300 yards all season. His high was week one for 279 yards passing. And then outside of that, he he only broke 250 uh, twice. So um, That that goes back to Garrett again, too, though, with his play calling. Sure. I mean, it's it's all, all wrapped up together, right? But, uh, you know, you should – in the modern NFL, if you're not throwing for over 300 yards, you know, a lot – <laughs> that's that doesn't bode well for your offense in any any way you cut it even if you are ground and pound you know ryan Tannehill's is, is thrown for over 300 yards quite frequently um the ravens certainly didn't need to throw for over 300 yards because that rushing attack is interesting there's pre-snap motion on every single play and it's interesting pre-snap motion there's maybe two different moves that's going on you know the giants should, with the giants should look to do something like that i don't know yeah, yeah. I, we, we've talked about pre-snap motion a lot this year. We see it in all the successful offenses. There are a lot of motion in the backfield. If you're well-coached, you can execute that, those kind of play designs, and it just creates a lot more things for the defense to have to account for. Yeah. Actually, the Ravens are, are second in the league in pre-snap motion. So. 49ers are first. Yeah. Yeah, which is no surprise with Kyle Shanahan, of course. I bet you the Rams aren't too far behind. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it was like 74% of the time uh, the Niners – do pre-snap, and I think the Ravens were 70 or 72, I think I saw, uh, which is, you know, imagine, you, you try to make it a little different. You try to spice it up a little bit. It's almost as if Garrett is just, these guys get so stuck in their old ways that they <laughs> just have... He, he runs hands off to Evan Ingram, you know? Uh, yeah, he did that again. There was a reverse, another reverse, which I think he ended up getting a first or even close, but it didn't seem like it was going to develop into it. But it's, And it's at these weird times. Like, First or second down reverse to Evan Ingram? Like, I don't know. I, I mean, Garrett's still running like a, a version of like the Air Croyle, by the uh, way, who's named after <laughs> Daryl Croyle, was born in 1924. Yeah. To give you a little <laughs> how modern this <laughs> offense really is. Which is funny because that guy was modern 50 years ago. Oh, but sure. He was a revolutionary. But, I mean, think times change. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, really good-feeling teams that really play a brand of football that you love to see – um, how, what do you think our playoff scenarios are looking like? Well, wildly enough, the, like, I mean, the Giants can still make the playoffs. And it's, it's crazy to think about we're entering week 17 at five and 10. And we're going to talk about the Giants potentially making their playoffs next week. Which I don't think is impossible. Basically, all the Giants have to do is win and Washington has to lose to Philly. So there's two NFC East games. That can really go either way, as they have been all year. I mean, I mean, like how, like Dan, if you look at this, like how did we even get here? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, in a year full of unprecedented things, this fits perfectly, right? The, the Giants, not only having a chance for the playoffs, but also having a chance to fulfill the prophecy we we said in our in our uh, season preview of Giants making the playoffs with a six and ten record. Um, you know, that'd be a nice cherry on top for us, but. You know, a combination of the you know, historically atrocious NFC East um, with, you know, no starting quarterbacks essentially making it to the end of the season. Um, we're 
And it all boils down to the four teams are also are, are playing are playing head-to-head matchups week 17, and everyone's playoff uh, situation is dependent on the on the other, I guess, except for Philly, right? Um, yeah. So. You know, maybe, maybe Jalen Hurts play, becomes Superman, and uh, the Giants snap snap out of, you know, you know, not snap out of like maybe snap into being a, a good team, which they're not. Uh, looking at the Cowboys' record, you know, they're looks like they might have figured something out. They they've won some pretty good games recently. They they they, they whomped the Eagles. They beat San Fran, which is always a tough team who destroyed us, um, and they destroyed uh, the Bengals, and they're putting up. Tons of points, <laughs> way more points than the Giants ever had. So something drastically is going to have to change. The defense is either going to have to, you know, nail nail them down and, and hold them, you know, below 15 points because I don't know that we can score more than that. Um, or we're going to have to, you know, just lose and get the draft picks and set up the future. I don't know. I think it's one of those kind of situations where, and I said this last week too. If nothing else, for for the rest of this year, as as a Giants team, you beat ca- the Cowboys, and even if we somehow don't manage to make it into the playoffs, I'm fine with going off on that note because, I mean, it goes back to our dream again, Dan. I mean, it, you, you're hearing in the news. We talked about it earlier. Gettleman might be on his way out, uh, and I think this would be the nail in the coffin kind of situation. I just it pains me to think that making the playoffs would keep him around. And with how ownership has been for the last 10 years, you, you wonder what, what's the, what's the limit? What is there? What's the, I don't know. I, I I'm just, I'm just so frustrated with, with Mara and I, not so much with the Tishes because I feel like they, they're a little more real with it. You know, I don't know why I would, I would have that, that feeling, but yeah. Well, it seems like the Tishes are just reactionary and, yeah. and the Maras are just, you know, set in their ways and, you know, live in their own bubble as well. Um, anybody Wait, that's billionaires attention... live in bubbles? No way. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but but some billionaires are like attuned to your team sucking somehow, and, and might be able to, to pinpoint it on a, you know, an, an incredibly bad uh, GM that's that's really failed at almost every angle. And I don't want to hear the arguments about, you know, the the good free agent acquisitions he's made because they aren't good. Um, and he just got lucky in in a, in a few cases, uh, and then he's he's traded away anyone. They's, like Golden was our best pass rusher, and we just traded him away for a six round pick, and we have no pass rush now. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason for the way he operates. I think he has favorites, and uh, no, I I think I think that what you're missing here is that Golden didn't get traded away because he was a best pass rusher. He got traded away because Judge didn't want him, and I think. The Tishes and the Marias look at the media and how everyone loves Judge and is touting Judge. He's a he's a good guy. So I think at the end of the day, I think Judge is going to have a lot of say in what happens to Gettleman. And I don't think I making so. the playoffs is really going to sway either way. I, I really think Gettleman's gone either way. I mean, I hope uh, you know. Hopefully, I'm not going to say 100, yeah. percent but this is just what I'm speculating. Yeah. Well, it's it yeah. seems that at at a at a camp that everybody raves about Judge. They love the culture change. They love where things are going. Is it, you know. Do they have it within them to separate judge and GM in this case? And I, I'm I'm I hoping so. that things change because they've been so uh, continuity is is the name of the game in the past and tradition and then waiting until the end of the season before you make any changes and stuff like that. I mean, I get that, but I don't know. I think ten years is too long without it genuinely having an uptick. 
Yeah, they should probably just hire Reese and Coughlin back. You know. Oh, I was gonna say, keep, dude, <laughs> Reese is interviewing in uh, in Jacksonville. If if they don't, if they pass up on him, I'd be surprised if he comes back. He oh. had a couple good draft. He, I mean, he put some good teams. Together. I mean, we've had this conversation. Oh, yeah, we're not talking about Jerry either. Whatever. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's in the past. But you know what's happening right now is that the Giants can still make the playoffs, right? Yeah. So, if we really want to look at this game, so the last, like, I'm just going to look a lot like the last time they played each other. So the, the score was 37-34. It was a close game. I think Jones probably had one of his better games of the season. I think Garrett definitely had his best play calling game of the year. So what, I, what I'm what i really hoping is that, you know, Garrett has just been saving all his ammo to play the Cowboys again so he can try and win. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> but th- that being said, I actually don't ho- hope that he calls the Colt McCoy game plan this game. Because the Colt McCoy game plan has been successful, where the Giants yeah. stick to the run, they don't tr- they they stick to short passing and try to negate how bad the line is, um, because ultimately they they have to control the ball and win the time of position battle. They have they haven't been doing that. I mean, last defensively, the last time they played, the Cowboys had the number one ranked offense in the NFL. Now they have the twelfth ranked offense. I mean, Andy Dalton's been playing all right, but he's he's still Andy Dalton. Yeah, you you can never forget that. I mean, you can you can probably assume right Bradbury will take uh, Cooper out of the game, and then and then but last time I played like Gallup and Ceedee Lamb destroyed the Giants, and they were they were killing us. Ceedee Lamb has only gotten better. He had a super good game against Philly the last time. It's going to be a hard win. I don't think it's impossible. I think the Giants can stop the outside rush. Hope they get some pressure from the interior, or maybe like Sherd or Crowder or Coughlin, like you know, step up and have like the best game of their career times a thousand. Um, all I know is like, <laughs> you, you probably want to get your raw garlic out, Colin, because we're going to need it. Yeah. The old days of the garlic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, for a little background on that in college, it was a, uh, it was a different time for the giants. I mean, this was uh, between the years of 2004 and eight. So it was leading up to good. And then, then really good. And then, you know, had a couple of years of, of, pretty good um but we had a buddy who i think he was joking when he said it we were looking for something we were looking for an inspiration uh for a superstitious <laughs> inspiration and um he was a bit of a hippie type and he said uh well you know i every once in a while and it's really for health reasons but uh sometimes i just take a bite out of a, a, a clove of garlic and it makes me feel good and i don't know maybe you guys could do it and it can spark some uh some good luck, and we started doing it. I believe there were actual occurrences where it. I mean, it, 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 cer- it certainly sparks a pain in your chest for oh, like yeah. five to ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we weren't meeting any new friends anytime soon afterwards. We were just going to be hanging out with each I'm, other. I'm pretty sure most girls didn't want to talk to me back then anyway, so it's oh, perfectly <laughs> fine. Well, what's changed? Uh, well, <laughs> actually, it's worse now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah. Well, how about the other game that's uh, big going on in the uh, NFC East end the season that is very uh, important to how we end the season, Washington and Philadelphia? How do you think that's going to go? Well, the uh, is that true? Did the, 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 the Washington football team just released Dwayne Haskins? Is that real news? That He's is gone. real news, yeah. He, he skipped that the media, skipped media after the game, which is a, is a fine, and they were sick of his uh, – crap after his non-mask shenanigans uh, gentlemen's club shenanigans the other day mm-hmm. yeah which wow. is such a, it's such a wild thing and you know what i have to be i have the first person to admit prior to the draft there was there was a part of me uh you know when he came out that i i, I 
I liked him. I wanted him. I, I did because, you know, he had that Jersey connection. He grew up a Giants fan. I was, I tried to get over the fact that he was an Ohio State quarterback, which usually doesn't bode well for anybody. Uh, and I thought he'd be decent, but I, I guess I didn't really take into account the immaturity and the fact that he only was a starter for one year. And you, you really have to think about that as a college quarterback, too. I mean, more so now than ever. Uh, but what a fool. I, it's unfortunate. I mean, I, I actually enjoy making fun of him now because all he does is, is talk trash and, and show nothing for it. So he, he passed waivers. I doubt anyone's going to pick him up this year. He's going to crush it in the XFL next oh, year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's funny you said that because I was going to ask you guys because I definitely wanted to draft Haskins that yeah. year. When we yeah, got we talked Jones. about it. Yeah. I mean, whether or not Jones is the guy, you know Haskins definitely wouldn't have been. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would have taken Haskins over Jones at the time. Um, the thing I think is interesting from this is, is you know, Haskins obviously had a lot of off-field problems and definitely didn't align with Ron Rivera. Uh, you know, Ron Rivera didn't didn't draft him. But it's also uh, interesting to see another high draft pick um, from only two years ago uh, get waived. You know, uh, Josh Rosen happened to him a few years ago. He was replaced with. Um, Kyler Murray, um, and, and it seems like teams and coaches are starting to realize you can't be too precious about you know players that you draft high. Not saying that Daniel Jones is at all in the same boat or performs like Dwayne Haskins, but I feel like you need to um, you know evaluate. You, you you can't you can't hope that something's going to turn around just because you invested so much draft capital in it. If, if stuff isn't working out, you have to be able to cut guys. Um, how? Uh... How do the Eagles win this game, you think? Uh, for me, I mean, it's actually worse for us now that Haskins isn't playing because I think even like hobbled Alex Jones or what's the guy's name? Uh, not not Alex Jones. No. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> the guy from InfoWars is yeah, yeah. going to be <laughs> Oh, man. Wow, I, I think I've been reading too much right-wing media. I've been, oh. I've been following Gettleman's Twitter account too much. <laughs> yeah, his parlor Alex, Excuse me, Alex Smith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, then, then, and then I guess the, the other guy that played was Taylor. Taylor Hinky? I'm not going to pronounce his last name. Hinky. I, I mean, I he Hinky? played all right. I think either one of them is better than, than Haskins. And I don't know. I mean, Jalen Hurts kind of had a bad game. He still, like, had a ridiculous stat line. I think he was, like, 370 yards and rushed for 65 yards. He did have two turnovers. I think if he limits the turnovers and has a big game, I really think that they have a shot. He's got he's to take care of the ball. The stout Washington front is going to be a tough to, to, to get around. He's, they're going to be coming after him all game. Honestly, this game can really go either way. I'm going to go with Philly. I don't think Washington's offense is going to do anything, even against a bad, a bad Phillies defense. And plus, you know, why would you not? <laughs> I hope. I mean, you'd hope that Bain came and exploded the field, but that's just not <laughs> likely in this scenario. Is that? Is that? Does that mean it's the second time we've discussed that scene? On this Have I, I, I? When yes. I was saying it, I was pretty sure I said it before. But I mean, how else are you supposed to feel? Like I'm, I'm like show. sitting in my house on yeah. Sunday watching the Cowboys and Eagles, and I'm rooting for the Cowboys. You know how much that hurts inside? Yeah. It hurts more than eating a whole <laughs> clove of raw garlic at once. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually made it a point not to watch that game because of how painful it would have been. Oh. I mean, it, it, was, it was a decent game. It, there's a lot of offense. I mean, if, it, if it's proved anything to me, it's that Dallas's defense is atrociously bad. There's almost a thousand yards of offense in that game. So it kind of like gives me hope that the Giants could, you know, definitely could win. Uh, if, the, if, if that is, if they, 
if they can score some points, they scored 34 points last time. <laughs> I don't see how they're any worse now than they were back then. Maybe they're better. They could actually run the ball now. They really weren't running the ball then at all. So Well, and that's the whole thing. I mean, I, I want some old-school throwback, like Phil Simms, Joe Morris, 80s-style, where you're, you're chewing up time. You, you know, do what the Ravens did to us yesterday. Have a eight-minute drive, and then all of a sudden it's the second quarter, and you're up fourteen nothing. You know, run like that, Army's offense. That kind of stuff needs to happen. Well, all right. So, what do you think the scores are going to be this weekend? And by scores, I mean score for our game. Damn. <laughs> oh man, um, I, I just wanted to comment. I think it's hilarious that we're the way we are analyzing this game is is who's less worse. Like like which offense <laughs> is less worse than the other? Which defense is less worse? Um, I don't know. Based on, on the way Dallas has been scoring, I, I feel like uh, it's it, they might put up a bunch of points on us just to be consistent. But I guess anything can happen in these in these divisional games. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, 24 to 17 Dallas. Uh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say that I think the defenses are both gonna step up a little bit. That being said, I don't think the Giants are going to put up any any certain amount of points, even against even against a defense that's it's really bad stepping up a little bit. But I do think the Giants' defense is going to come out. I think the, so a couple guys in the secondary, uh, a couple of the third or fourth string guys, I think Love, McKinney are going to have good games. I think they're going to get some pressure in the interior. I think the Giants are going to win 17-13. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's going to be a lower score as well. Um, I think that... Just with with both games, actually, we're gonna end up winning. It's gonna be twenty to seventeen, but Washington's gonna win too, and that's just gonna be the end of it. And that's probably for the best. And I, but that's all right. If we go out on that, then I'm fine with it, and I'll I'll be all right for going into the off season. I'm with you. I I remember in the beginning of the year we we asked each other what game we were looking forward to the most, and I said week seventeen against the Cowboys. And I think I said, because I hope the Giants spoil the Cowboys' chance to get into the playoffs because I thought they were going to be a much better team than they are. And, hey, here we are right now with not only a chance to spoil them in the playoffs, but a chance to get in ourselves. So I really hope the Giants come out and win this game. Whether what happens in the Washington-Philly game, we, the Giants have no control over that. You can only hope that, you know, Jalen Hurts just crushes them. I guess we shall see this weekend. Well, you know, folks, uh, subscribe to BBO on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Follow and subscribe to the pod on your go-to streaming service. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, guys. Let's go, Giants. See you in 2021. Peace.